0: This is Carissa from Pennsylvania, and I wouldn't be caught dead listening to I Doubt It with Dalimore. Now, you better believe it with Brittany is a whole nother story. Because Brittany's the best part.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. (laughs) Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt
2: It with Dolomore.
1: Big day once again, big episode once again, episode 441 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host. Jesse Dallamore, and I'm joined this evening by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the always at the ready, Brittany Page.
3: Always at the ready. I don't know about that, but we're gonna try. We're I'm, gonna we're I'm gonna try. I'm you up. Our best.
1: Getting you ready to party.
3: Try my best.
1: <laughs> has the has the Facebook got you down? Um. Are you? Are you disheartened at the the character of humanity, the, mm-hmm. the level or lack thereof of logic and reason? The answer is yes. The, <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to maybe play mm-hmm. coy a little bit, but no, no, just, mm-hmm. yep.
3: Yeah, the answer is <laughs> yes. For today, uh, maybe tomorrow will be a better day.
1: Well, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you don't say make you feel.
1: Yes. How do you feel as a result of what you just uh
3: <laughs> That is very convoluted. going through. Um okay, well let's talk about this. So I I don't really debate anymore. I don't know, I just it kind of it doesn't interest me. Yeah. as much as it used to. I'm not sure what changed. But people You got other
1: shit going on. People
3: change, yeah, right? right? Um I I think uh a lot of it is I want to make sure that I have the time to do it, and sometimes I just don't feel like I have the time to dedicate to, like, pulling stats and...
1: Yeah, because you're not just, uh, you don't go, go, and I'm kind of, spoiler alert here, you, you don't just go off your feelings mm-hmm. off of... How you feel about something because of of what you've experienced or whatever you you really try to pull data and statistics to back up your point of view.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone shared some YouTube video of a cop that had posted their body cam footage or their the video camera from their car, whatever footage it was. It was from the cop, mm-hmm. and they basically said, "Listen, there are so many videos on YouTube from cops." showing how dangerous their job is, showing how these criminals never comply. Yeah. Go watch these videos. Don't watch those viral videos showing police abuses that just appeal to your emotionality and whatever. Go watch these videos. (laughs) You know, and these like,
1: videos that you're watching, all they do is appeal to your bias against cops. Right. Don't watch these videos <laughs> that appeal to m- the bias for cops that I have. That's
3: exactly what it was. And so I noted that and I said that it was like hilarious because it was quite funny um, <laughs> I think so. that it was so obviously illogical. Yeah. And I mean, they just came back and let it was- me guess.
1: This guy's a Trump fan,
3: yes, and it was it was very it was very irrational, but at one point he said, like nine out of ten of the viral videos that you see of police shooting unarmed black men are inaccurate.
1: N- nine out of ten, you say yeah,
3: and so huh. I was like, I'm gonna need a source on that, so I'll wait for that. <laughs> and then he said that uh, nine out of ten is not inaccurate in my experience from having watched them and the court's experience from their verdicts. Okay.
1: Well, one untrue the first half and the second half doesn't even make fuck sense.
3: Yeah, exactly. But again, I I take issue with this in my experience. Yeah. Right? Um why is that the most relevant marker? I don't I don't think that it should be in my experience. In my experience, these are the videos I've watched. Okay, well, what about the videos you haven't watched? What about the stats you haven't read? Yeah. What about the stories you haven't heard? I mean, that's true for all of us, right? Um, We could all learn more. We could all continue to grow in our beliefs and our knowledge base. So I'm not saying it's just unique to this particular individual.
1: Oh, most certainly not.
3: But he went on to say experience is actually the most valuable thing I or anybody has. You have to be able to trust your experience. And he went on to say that life isn't an objective science experiment, (laughs) which I totally agree. It's not. But we should kind of treat our beliefs like we are engaged in a scientific experiment, I think, with working hypotheses about the way the world does work, trying to disprove our beliefs, um, looking for evidence for the beliefs that we do have when we learn new information, adjusting those beliefs. And so this just kind of got me thinking about if I were to take this position, um, I guess we would have to subtract my education um, from this equation as well. But if I were to just like take my experience at certain points in my life where learning had stopped. And what I understood of the world, what would I still currently believe? Like, if I hadn't yeah. reached out to other people to learn more about certain subjects, or I hadn't read, or I hadn't researched, what would I be believing right now?
1: If it was just on
3: experience. Yeah, if it was just on my personal yeah. experience and what I've seen. Your
1: tiny sliver of the world, your your myopic view that you would have been able to to ascertain throughout your life. Yeah, and, and it really goes for anybody. Even if you've lived and done a lot of things, your experience can't generalize mm-hmm. to the 7 billion plus population of the planet. Mm-hmm. It, it just it doesn't work that way.
3: Yeah. And I think that's important for all of us to consider and remind ourselves of. And I encounter this a lot, especially with... Um, Family, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. where they literally will tell me, well, in my experience, that stat is incorrect, you know, and I'll be like, okay, well, it's like based on the population,
1: so it's a statistic that they (laughs) they came to through scientific means, yeah, and your experience matters not,
3: yeah, and well, I mean, everyone's experience is relevant somehow, okay, it adds like an interesting part of the puzzle, but that shouldn't be like the number one thing. And I guess I'm saying in terms of like something like police shootings, right? You can actually go look up statistics, how often police are killing unarmed black men. Yes. And maybe that's just not a problem for you. Right. Or maybe you rationalize it in some way, which a lot of people do. Um, But you have to at least admit that there is a problem there. And to just say, well, they have a very dangerous job. Here, look at this video of this cop interacting with a criminal who's armed and refuses to listen. Look at how dangerous their job is. Don't you see why they shoot people all the time? Yeah. <laughs> that's basically the argument. <laughs> and that that's not how that should work.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, um, and I know you know this because you remind me of this all the time. It's not just the other side. It's not just Trump people. Mm-hmm. We... As you know, we hold ourselves up as more rational, as more reasonable people. We need to hold ourselves and our people accountable as well.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Recently, the 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 Alexandria Ocasio Cortez thing, mm-hmm. where she banned the press from a public gathering, constituent meeting. Right. It wasn't a private event, which you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. It was a public meeting that she banned the constitutionally protected free press from.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: If Donald Trump did that, people would be losing their goddamn minds. Mm-hmm. But she did it. She's in their tribe, our tribe, let's say, and people were make bending over backwards to make excuses for it. Look, folks, two things can... I didn't mean to get into this, but two things can be simultaneously true. She can be a great candidate and she can have fucked up. So making all the excuses... It just makes you no different and no better than the individual Brittany's talking about right now.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm even seeing it with the Manafort juror who revealed her identity. Yeah, and
1: like, yeah, that is weird today.
3: She was a Trump supporter. Well, she is a Trump supporter. She had the Make America Great Again hat in her car every time she went to the courthouse.
1: You're talking about the only juror who's become public now. Yeah,
3: she's revealed her identity. No one else has revealed their identity. She told Fox News there was one holdout juror on the 10 counts. Yeah. Um,
1: there was one juror who made those counts mistrial. Right. Um, and it wasn't her.
3: Yeah, so she said she brought the hat with her every day as a reminder and that she desperately wanted Paul Manafort to be innocent, but he, quote, just wasn't, okay?
1: <laughs> and she voted to convict on all counts, she says, all all 18. It was the one juror who also voted for the eight but held up the other 10.
3: Yeah, so this is someone who's obviously a fan of Donald Trump, went in with a bias— still is a fan of Donald Trump, actually said during her Fox News interview that she believes that this wouldn't have even happened if they weren't out to get Donald Trump. So she still has these ideas, but there was something about her duty, I guess. Or the
1: rock-solid evidence.
3: Yeah, I mean, who knows, that caused her to say, I'm going to put my bias aside here. I can't deny that this guy is guilty. So we posted this. And there have been very interesting comments where people are saying that she should be convicted of trying to obstruct justice and uh, everyone's calling her a dumbass and all these negative comments. And I'm wondering, hey, guys, did you read the article? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But it's part of a... Because mo-
1: she's not the one who obstructed. She voted to convict.
3: It's part of a motivated reasoning type thing yeah. where you just see, oh, she's a Trump fan. Oh, she was a juror. I hate her. Right? Yeah, that's and that, exactly and that's right. and that's how simple it is. And so that's that's just kind of concerning to me. So I don't know. And look,
1: there's probably lots of reasons to hate her.
3: <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where I'm going with all this, but I I just think yes, experience is important. Yes, our personal experiences are very important. But we also need to weigh that against the experiences of others. And what statistics say about yeah. certain topics, especially if you're gonna be spreading information online and it's not just like an idea floating around in your head. Uh we have like a responsibility to if you are sharing things online, have it be accurate, as accurate as possible. And I I, I just feel very strongly about that. Well so.
1: you should. It's important. Mm-hmm. It is important. Mm-hmm. This kind of this kind of leads us into what we're gonna talk about next. And there, there was a case, uh, the New York Times did a profile on it, of a female professor at NYU who was, I believe, removed from her position because of a sexual harassment allegation. And rather than having the support of the Me Too movement, like, yeah, that's great. She sexually harassed someone. They did an investigation and found it to be credible. So they disciplined her. Uh, instead of that happening, several women, including leading feminists, have come out in support of this woman, in defense of this woman.
3: So she was suspended for the coming academic year. Oh, and okay. Not fully fired. There's a further inve- uh, investigation into like retaliation claims or something like that. But her name is Avital Ronell. Mm-hmm. And she's apparently a world-renowned female professor of German and comparative literature. And what you said is true. So she was accused of sexual harassment by her graduate student. A male. Yes. And he said she would email him inappropriate things, talk to him in inappropriate sexual ways that would make him uncomfortable, and invite him to stay in her hotel room, pull him into the bedroom, touch him, grab him, ask him to sleep in the bed, all of these different things. and um,
1: Unacceptable things.
3: Right? She was suspended. So that was her punishment. But like you said, these influential feminist scholars... Released a statement, and in part it said, "quote We testify to the grace, the keen wit, and the intellectual commitment of Professor Ronnell, and ask that she be accorded the dignity rightly deserved by someone of her international standing and reputation." Wait, wait, which is exactly it's, it
1: is exactly what, what you hear yeah. people
3: say about men,
1: Harvey Weinstein
3: in positions of power is well, look at how successful they are. <laughs>
1: How witty they are! Look at his body of work. Look at his body of work. Yeah,
3: and it's just pretty shocking to see.
1: Then they also say, "Well, look, we can't rush to judgment. Let the investigation run its course." All of the things that are being said and picked apart by people who say them, picked apart by people of the people who say them. You know what I mean?
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Just, it's a hypocritical thing.
3: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty disturbing.
1: We should want to stamp out sexual harassment mm-hmm. and crimes of a sexual nature, no matter the the offender,
3: mm-hmm. no
1: matter this the gender of the offender. Mm-hmm. This is it's a weird story.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I mean, think about being a graduate student and having your advisor, this person who is in control of your future and your career. Yeah. And this is uh, something that's criticized about graduate programs is that your advisor does have so much power and control over you. I've seen articles about that recently, but that's just the reality. And in this case, he needed her to review his writing, review his work, get it back to him in a timely manner. Yeah. And when those emails are including language that is sexual but he needs the edits back. He needs to do his work. <laughs> it puts it puts someone in a difficult position where they're trying to navigate. Well, I don't want to piss this person off that has so much power and control over my life that's so powerful. And it
1: is just that. Over his life, his education, the thing he's endeavoring to do mm-hmm. as a career, mm-hmm. she holds the cards in her hands. Right. Yeah. It's. I find it disappointing that these women... The, these female, you know, leading feminists in the country and elsewhere, I think some of them are international, have have taken the time, not thought through their position well enough to to, to relegate it to where it should be in the trash bin of hypocrisy, uh, knowing that, look, we got to be a united front here against sexual harassment from wherever it comes.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think you're going to start seeing more pressure put on people that sign on to these kinds of letters. There was just a professor at UCI who was in a similar situation, I believe sexual harassment allegations and many of the professors there signed on in a letter of support of his Hmm. work ethic and career and that the list of authors that signed that letter was being circulated on Twitter, and people were saying, hey, graduate students looking to apply to grad school do not apply to work under these people because they won't support you if something goes awry. So I think that is a conversation that's happening, and I think it is important.
1: Yeah, we'd love to know what you guys think. 657-464-7609. Of course, there's always voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it, at dollamore.com. Thank you all so much for
2: helping us move the conversation forward. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com/slash I doubt it with Dollamore.
1: Farrell. Farrell. Very, very nice. Thank you for the the, the monthly pledge on Beautiful. Patreon. Beautiful. We appreciate it very much. Listen, if you if you'd like to support the show, there's all kinds of non-monetary ways that you could do it. Rating and reviewing us on iTunes, no joke, folks, it really does help the show. Whatever algorithm, sciencey bullshit that uh, iTunes has going, Apple Podcasts, uh, it, it 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 helps us to get in front of new listeners who may not otherwise have found the show. Uh, there's also liking the Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore, and then also following Brittany and I and the podcast page, uh, the podcast accounts on Twitter at Brittany E Page and at Dollamore, and of course, at I Doubt It Podcast. We love you guys, and thank you. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as I said at the top of the show, big, big day.
3: I was I was hoping we could just like meditate in this segment just, rather than talk about what's going on. Just have some mindful time. <laughs> yeah, like play something like the Chris Cuomo and Kellyanne interview <laughs> might be yeah. really really relaxing. Not
1: not not relaxing. Mm-hmm. That that is uh, that's not on the board, as you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and mainly because of that.
3: Yeah, I listened to 8 minutes of it. I don't know how long it was. It kind of ended abruptly. I think maybe the person recording it couldn't handle it any longer either. But I was listening to it and my heart was racing.
1: That's exactly that is exactly how I get.
3: It is it's really distressing. I I I can't really explain why. I it's, think it's just the
1: It's like a fight or flight response with me.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm listening to her just lie repeatedly and she doesn't care and and Chris Cuomo was saying to her face you're lying. He lied, and you're yeah. you're just flat out. You're not admitting that he lied. Play the tape. Play the tape. They play the tape. They come back. He repeats that he lied, and she just refuses. I mean, she refuses yeah. to even acknowledge it, it.
1: I don't know why, and I know. Look, I'm not saying they shouldn't have those people on the air, but I'm kind of getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Several times this week, um, the CNN hosts. We, I primarily watch CNN, not not exclusively, but primarily. And they are starting to ask, you're part of the campaign. Have you signed uh, an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement? And then right. they get him to admit it. Mm-hmm. And then they they put him on the spot and say, well, you're not allowed by contract to say anything negative about the president. So,
3: Well, they don't say so. Right, that's right. They
1: don't say so. <laughs> yeah, so you're
3: saying so. That's what I want
1: them to say. Either that right. or, or don't have them on at all or have a disclaimer yeah before each one of these ass wipes go- goes on the air and say this is uh, douchebag number 1 so and so they've signed an nda and just j- just as you so you know as 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 letting the audience into the whole picture here um as part of full disclosure they they're not legally able to by co- they're con- not contractually able to say something negative about donald trump so it's not a reasonable, decent conversation um, with both sides being honest.
3: Well, I want to hear how they rationalize that because so so why is it useful to have that person on then? It's just an infomercial for the Trump administration. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't need that. We don't need to it's kind of like when Katie Couric was criticized for having um, a panel where there was equal time for pro-vaccine people and anti-vaccine yeah, people. Yeah, right, right. Um, we we don't need to hear how amazing Donald Trump is. We need the truth. So exactly I, I right. understand that the talking heads are partisan people. But if you have someone coming on who has signed an NDA, cannot disclose information that would be harmful to the president, uh, cannot criticize the president, then we know what we're gonna get. We can go read That's the Twitter right. timeline. That's exactly right. We'll go watch the press conference. We don't we don't need to hear it again. Yeah. We know what it's gonna be.
1: It's a bummer. Um moving on though.
3: Sorry about that. No,
1: no, no. It's good. <laughs> this week I love explaining to the audience in great detail why we're not going to play a specific clip.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we probably should have just played it. So um Make you guys feel what we feel.
1: I've been saying over the course of several uh, several episodes that big things are coming, especially after this Cohen-Manafort day of hell for Donald Trump.
3: That's because of your optimism.
1: Uh, well, yeah, maybe a little bit of that. But also, I think I have some astuteness relative to the political process and what's coming down the pike here. Uh, today was a big day. Another big, giant, bombshell day. I was indoors, not with the TV on most of the day, so I don't know exactly what has been prognosticated or what the analysis is. We're just going to do it ourselves.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is, is what we normally do, but I have I just pulled some clips so The Wall Street Journal broke mm-hmm. this was this morning and holy shit, folks, this is goddamn ridiculous. This is huge. <laughs> David Pecker Mm-hmm. He runs American Media Inc., I believe it is. Uh, it is the National Enquirer, the same company that has, does these uh, these catch and kill, what they did with Susan McDougal, where they buy the rights to Karen McDougal. <laughs> you
3: really don't know her name, yeah, do I you? Yeah, I don't every time. Yeah, it's where they pay to obtain the rights to a story, um, and then they don't publish it. They just keep it, and they keep it in a little safe. That's right. A safe that is now going to be opened.
1: And that is right. And mm-hmm. early reports of this were that, I, the way I heard it, was the Justice Department was thinking about offering an immunity deal to David Pecker. Which, by the way, pretty funny name.
3: Yeah, perfect name for <laughs> Donald Trump.
1: Pecker flipped on Trump. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that they did offer the deal. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, he's not going to take it. And then it was finally later in the morning that I learned that officially David Pecker has been granted immunity for his testimony. Yep. And this is a big deal because that means, well, first of all, they're not going to offer him immunity for nothing. Right. It means he committed crimes to which he will not be, for which he will not be convicted. Mm Mm-hmm. Crimes took place <laughs> on the beh- at the, the behest, bad things at the behest of or for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. This is Donald Trump has to be has to be as thick headed as that motherfucker is. He has to be losing his mind right now, as evidenced by the no collusion, rigged witch hunt at one thirty a.m. one ten a.m. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs>
3: He's having trouble sleeping, you guys. Man,
1: he's got Cohen flipped on him. Manafort's likely going to get a pardon here. He's going to fly off the handle. That might be what sends Republicans over the edge that, look, fuck, we can't we well, can't do this. And that's
3: another interesting thing where Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked at the press conference two days ago, is that something that has been discussed at the White House? And she said, no, that has not been discussed. And then we learned that actually Donald Trump asked his lawyers like weeks ago about pardoning and if that should be the plan. Yeah. And they counseled him against it. So he is talking about it, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Of
1: course he is. She's a liar like Kellyanne Conway. Good times. Real good times. (laughs) So anyway, let's get into this David Pecker thing. Seriously, Pecker, come on.
0: The Wall Street Journal is now reporting that David Pecker, a longtime friend of President Trump, was given immunity by prosecutors in the Michael Cohen case. Remember... Cohen just implicated the president of the United States in campaign finance violations. David Pecker is the chairman of American Media Incorporated. That's the company that publishes The National Enquirer. The journalist says uh, the Wall Street Journal says Pecker gave prosecutors details on the payments made by Michael Cohen to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Payments Michael Cohen says were directed directed and coordinated by the then presidential candidate donald trump today the president talked about cohen's deal listen to this
4: it's called flipping and it almost ought to be illegal you get 10 years in jail but if you say bad things about somebody in other words make up stories if you don't know make up stories they just make up lies alan dershowitz said compose right they make up lies i've seen it many times they make up things and now they go from 10 years to they're a national hero they have a statue erected in their honor. It's not, it's not a fair thing, but uh, that's why he did it. He made a very good deal.
0: All right, let's immediately go to our White House correspondent, Caitlin Collins at the White House. Uh, Caitlin, uh, this is a big deal uh, that uh, a longtime friend and associate of the President of the United States, David Pecker of American Media, cooperating with federal prosecutors in exchange for immunity what are you hearing on these uh, these latest attacks and the revelations about david pecker's role in helping michael cohen facilitate these hush money payments
5: yeah, Wolf, you're right. This is a big deal, and it's not good news for President Trump. Now, the Wall Street Journal reporting that David Pecker and an editor at the National Enquirer have been granted immunity in this case. Now, but Wolf, before we had previously reported that David Pecker had been subpoenaed in all of this, and we knew that, uh, that he had told prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, which is investigating Michael Cohen and these hush payments made to these women, alleging that they had affairs with the president, that he told them that President Trump was a of those payments at the time. Now, that would contradict what the White House and what President Trump have tried to say for several months now, including President Trump on camera yesterday saying he didn't know about the payments until later on, even though there's an audio recording of him and Michael Cohen discussing how to make one of the payments. Now, this is big news because David Pecker is a longtime ally of the president's. That is why he had a role in helping to cover up these uh, affairs with these women, these alleged affairs that these women say that they had with President Trump. And they were trying to quiet them so that they would not hurt the president's chances in the election. Now, what this means that they are getting immunity here, Wolf, is that David Pecker, a longtime ally of President Trump's, must have valuable testimony, prosecutors believe. And that is why they are granting him immunity in something like this. Clearly a very big deal. Likely something that is not going to please the president here, Wolf, after you just heard him say that he believes that flipping, which in order, you know, revealing information you have so you could have a lesser sentence about someone, should be illegal. That is what the president said during an interview yesterday. And now with this news, it certainly is not going to be welcome here in the West Wing. I love
3: Caitlin Collins.
1: (laughs) She's pretty great. She's awesome. So listen, folks. Michael Cohen. Cooperating, Michael Cohen, a guy who knows a lot of shit about Donald Trump, cooperating with federal authorities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: David Pecker, a guy who knows a lot and likely a lot more than just about Karen McDougal mm-hmm. and Stormy Daniels. <laughs> He's cooperating with federal authorities. Mm-hmm. Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor to the president of the United States, yep. cooperating with federal authorities. Mm-hmm. The tip of the iceberg that we are publicly aware of is bad enough. But just within the brains of those three men who are now cooperating, one of which one of whom has as has immunity from prosecution. Uh this is a done deal. His goose is cooked. It's just a matter of time.
3: You can also tell that Donald Trump is panicking based on his responses to questions. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's...
3: Like the Aisley <laughs> Earhart interview. Did I say her name right? Ainsley. What about the majority? Okay, I'm the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. That one. And <laughs> um, he is very concerned about people flipping and being disloyal. And I don't think that would be a problem for someone who has nothing to hide.
1: No, that's exactly right. If you did nothing... Then let me tell you something. I say this all the time. I'm not worried about people flipping on me. Mm-hmm. If you want, you want to flip, Brittany, flip it up, sister. <laughs> I did nothing. I'm fine. All right. Seriously, mm-hmm. Donald Trump is only worried. And keep in mind, these are close, lifelong friends. Maybe not lifelong, but decades long acquaintances and friends and allies who are now realizing it's the end of the road. I'm not getting dragged down with this slug.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But let's talk about Ainsley Earhart's interview with Donald Trump. Remember, as Brittany just pointed out, this Ainsley Earhart, who still has a job at Fox News. To what
5: about this the majority? Okay, I'm the majority. so tired of protecting the minority.
1: So, we're going to start with Donald Trump's unhinged attacks on A guy who I'm not a fan of, Jeff Sessions, who I do believe is a white nationalist. I do believe is a racist. But he is Donald Trump's choice as attorney general. He was Donald Trump's very first endorsement from the United States Senate. He has been a loyal political partner. And Donald Trump long ago turned on him. But now he's ratcheting it up and making it a lot more personal.
4: Jeff Sessions never took control of the Justice Department and uh, it's a sort of an incredible thing when everybody sees what's going on in the Justice Department I always put justice now with quotes it's a very very sad day Jeff Sessions recused himself which he shouldn't have done or he should have told me even my enemies say that Jeff Sessions should have told you that he was going to recuse himself and then you wouldn't have put him in he took the job And then he said, I'm going to recuse myself. I said, what kind of a man is this? And by the way, he was on the campaign. You know, the only reason I gave him the job, because I felt loyalty. He was an original supporter. Mm -hmm. He was on the campaign. He knows there was no collusion.
1: I only hired him because he was loyal, not because he's good at his job. Not because he'd make a fine attorney general. Saying that he never took control. Of the, that is personal. Mm-hmm. That's not just like, uh, he shouldn't have recused himself, as he said there and has said in the past. Right. Which he kind of had to. He was caught in a lie multiple times about his contacts with Russians. He had no choice. But what kind of man is this, he says? Well, Jeff Sessions, the... Attorney General-sized Keebler-Elf, or the Keebler-Elf-sized Attorney General, did not take this line down today. The Justice Department spokesman released a statement that shot right back.
3: Quote, I took control of the Department of Justice the day I was sworn in, which is why we have had unprecedented success at effectuating the president's agenda One that protects the safety and security and rights of the American people, reduces violent crime, enforces our immigration laws, promotes economic growth, and advances religious liberty. While I am Attorney General, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. I demand the highest standards, and where they are not met, I take action. However, no nation has a more talented, more dedicated group of law enforcement investigators and prosecutors than the United States. I am proud to serve with them and proud of the work we have done in successfully advancing the rule of law.
1: That's a shot. Mm -hmm. That's fighting back. Mm -hmm. That's also an attempt to build morale within the organization because, one, they're not really on Donald Trump's side because he's attacking the boss constantly. Ad nauseum is attacking their boss. But this line here, while I am attorney general, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. Flatly said. Mm -hmm. And that is what Donald Trump is calling for.
3: Well, and people like Rand Paul, Lindsey Graham, Paul Ryan, stand by and say nothing. When Donald Trump is making it very clear Why he keeps people around, why he appreciates people, and the only qualification is maintaining loyalty.
1: What did you read today about something that Lindsey Graham said related to all of this?
3: He supports the idea that Jeff Sessions should step aside.
1: Unbelievable.
3: Although he admits, apparently, that it was the right thing to do for him to recuse himself.
1: So he wants it both ways. He wants to be able to go and golf with his buddy, Donald Trump, on a course and still have some semblance of criticizing of, of the administration, which that would be a, a position opposite of Donald Trump. Same thing with Rand Paul. What happened to all of these men who were staunch critics of the president who are now in their little cubby holes hiding under their desks for fear of retribution from the mighty man on high? Donald Trump, what the fuck happened? So, we'll see what happens with Jeff Sessions. Um, it would be, here, here's what Donald Trump doesn't understand. There's a lot of loyalty in some of these circles and on Capitol Hill. Senators are going to stick together. If he, if, if Donald Trump acts and lashes out against one of their own, who Jeff Sessions was for many, many years, that's not going to go well. They may just side with Jeff Sessions over Donald Trump. We don't know, but but I think it's what's kept Jeff Sessions in the game this long. So this interview continues, and you pointed something out today that I hadn't thought of, Brittany, and that, that is kind of where this argument has gone. Obviously, it's gone from, well, we didn't do that, to, no, that's not what happened, to, well, yeah, it happened, to, you know, it's this evolution but
3: now it's if you impeach me. That's exactly right. Everyone's going to be poor. Yeah,
1: they're they're just now admitting.
3: Now it's there's going to be a stock market crash. They're
1: preemptively <laughs> defending against the likelihood or this certainty, maybe
4: mm-hmm.
1: that he's going to be impeached.
4: You know, I guess it says something like high crimes and all. I don't I don't know how you can impeach somebody who's done a great job. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I ever got impeached, I think the market would crash. I think everybody would be very poor because without this thinking, uh, you would see you would see
1: just a visual here because it's important when he says without this thinking, he points at his head, <laughs> he points he at his brain. He doesn't mean the thinking of the administration in general. He doesn't mean the collective mm-hmm. of the cabinet. Yeah. he <laughs> means what is the gray matter in, bes- in between his fucking head? this thinking without this thinking Mm -hmm. it's going to be economic apocalypse upon everyone you know like like it was back in obama's administration like it was during george w bush's administration every administration it's always been chaos until i came along
3: yeah and this is kind of what i'm talking about so the answers that he's now giving you can you can kind of tell that he's a little worried because yeah. this doesn't even make sense.
1: It's like how, weird threats.
3: How can you impeach someone who's doing a good job?
1: Well, Clinton was doing a good job at running the country and they impeached the living fuck out of that guy.
3: I mean, that is that is like the stupidest argument that you can make.
1: Also, everybody is going to be poor. Everybody. Not like, look, look, there's going to be a lot of people that are hurt economically if you do this. No, no. Everybody is going to be pretty poor. Yeah. Yeah. He
4: continues. Numbers that you wouldn't believe in reverse.
0: This is where we are right now. The president of the United States arguing against his own impeachment, David.
2: Yeah, uh, I've heard lots of arguments against impeachment, actually, on both sides of the aisle. I've never heard one that said the president, any president, shouldn't be impeached because the country, everybody, will be poor. Uh, that, That seems to be a bit grasping at straws there to me. But... What I do think you hear the president formulating there is a political argument against impeachment. His former uh, chief strategist, Steve Bannon, uh, is out there urging every Republican to run on this issue, on the threat of impeachment. And it's actually also why, Anna, uh, you see some Democrats concerned about uh, bringing up impeachment on the campaign trail as an issue and a message because it could backfire on them. It really could rally the Republican base To come alive in an election season where they've been a little apathetic, and we've seen in the primary season in terms of turnout, if the idea that the entire Trump presidency is on the line, uh, that could awaken uh, some Republicans, which Democrats fear. I agree with
1: that. I think it is wise from a strategy standpoint for Democrats not to talk impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. If it, if, it, if, it, if the question is flatly asked, you could say, well, you know, yeah, we will consider that when it comes around, but, you know, we're not there yet. That would be the answer. But let the Republicans talk about it at nauseum, because if they're talking about impeachment and Democrats aren't, it will fire up the Democrats, and it might fire up some Republicans. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. But Donald Trump, this interview was all over the place.
3: Yeah, and I, I really what stood out to me, and I don't think we have spent enough time talking about it, was the emphasis on loyalty. There really was a mafia mob kind of mentality yeah. where even this like pro-Trump law enforcement guy, he wasn't there. <laughs> this was a guy who is contemptuous of the police, Yeah. contemptuous of the law. Um, He doesn't think that the law should be interfering with like personal relationships among
1: criminals Yeah, he thinks that a trial that went down with a jury of his peers did a bad thing because they're persecuting poor paul manafort the justice system worked and donald trump is maligning the process by saying he's being attacked he's being persecuted
3: Well, there was a quote that I saw on Twitter today from Kurt Anderson, and it said a president of the United States is saying that a criminal's loyalty to his fellow criminals is a sacred principle and that it's (laughs) wrong for law enforcement to interfere with that. Wow. And that really is essentially what he said.
1: Snitches get
0: stitches.
3: Exactly.
1: That's what's that's what's banging around inside Donald Trump's head. (laughs) For
0: sure. Snitches get
3: stitches. 100%. Yeah, yeah. He does not like flipping. He said it should probably be illegal. Oh,
1: yeah. He did.
3: Law enforcement going in, offering someone a deal to get information on criminal activity. He believes that that should not be allowed. (laughs) Now, what kind of person says something like that? Interesting.
1: I think uh, an innocent one.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Someone who's up to only good, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, So listen to this. First of all, Donald Trump is like, if you let, like, a fourth grader decide your, your communication strategy, th- that's kind of how Donald Trump operates. When you ask him questions about his longtime personal attorney with whom he had deals and with whom he trusted in hush money arrangements. I mean, this is a guy who knows the dirt on Donald Trump. That's You don't do that with a guy who's kind of just a part-time helper around the office, Listen to him categorize his relationship with
4: Michael Cohen.
5: Yesterday, huge news day. There's a lot breaking today as well. Michael Cohen, tell me about your relationship with him.
4: Well, he was a lawyer for me for uh, one of many. Uh, You know, they they always say the lawyer and then they like to add the fixer. Well, I don't know if was a fixer. Uh, I don't know where that term came from, but he's been a lawyer for me. Didn't do big deals, did small deals, uh, not Somebody that was with me that much, you know, they make it sound like I didn't live with without him. I understood Michael Cohn very well. Uh, he, uh, what turned out, he wasn't a very good lawyer, frankly.
1: So, one of many lawyers, one of many. He's just a pawn, just a cog in the machine, y'all. Small <laughs> deals, not big deals, large deals like I make. He, he worked on some small deals. Mm-hmm it was not it wasn't with me that much mm-hmm. you know
3: did he just get him coffee too uh, yeah yeah and then also eh, yeah,
1: he's not even that good a lawyer really <laughs> you know so. he was just a coffee boy this does anybody uh, fucking believe this that you've got a guy in your office that you're talking about we've heard the tape prior mm-hmm. to the election you talking about a hush money agreement mhm that's not a i one of many
3: yeah he's closer to michael cohen than he is melania <laughs> in terms of the intimacy that they share yeah, and life secrets that's right. that no, are known
1: yes that is exactly for, for sure from that angle for sure so uh, this interview continues and this is him t- they, they got to the, the hush money they got to the, the payoffs and Donald Trump he splits the message flip flops back and forth once twice three different times
2: he said one
5: story, said you didn't know anything about the payments, no. and now he's saying that you directed him to make these payments. Did you direct him to make he these payments? He made the deal,
4: he made the deals. And by the way, he played to two counts that aren't a crime, which nobody understands. Uh, I watched a number of shows, sometimes you get some pretty good information by watching shows. Those two counts aren't even a crime. They weren't campaign finance.
5: Did Did you know about the payments? Uh,
4: later on I knew, later on, but you have to understand, Ainsley, what he did and they weren't taken out of campaign finance that's a big thing that's a much bigger thing did they come out of the campaign they didn't come out of the campaign they came from me and I tweeted about it you know I put I don't know if you know but I tweeted uh, about the payments but they didn't come out of campaign in fact my first question when I heard about it was did they come out of the campaign because that could be a little dicey and they didn't come out of the campaign, and that's big. But they weren't, that's not a, it's not even a campaign violation. <laughs> so,
1: so he went from, yeah, Cohen made the deal. Cohen made the deal. Well, it's not even a crime, by the way. It's not a crime. He just pled guilty to something that's not a crime. Like, I get, I just pled guilty to drinking from this Diet Pepsi. Mm-hmm. This episode of I Doubt with a Dollar, brought to you by Diet Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Gross. You don't get to plead guilty to something that is not a crime. You don't get to plead anything to something that's not a crime.
3: Can we just talk about his answer, though, like on a basic level? Yes. It's when someone is lying and they give too much information. Yes. And you're kind of wondering, like, wait, what's happening right now? Yeah. What are you saying? Well, I did not ask for all of this.
1: <laughs> let's Let's watch this roller coaster ride, though. Cohen made the deal. Not a crime. The money came from me. I paid. When did you know about it? Well, I knew later about the money. Well, wait a minute. We heard you on a tape talking about it before the election. And then we heard you on Air Force One saying you don't know anything about it. You didn't pay. I don't know. But it wasn't from the campaign. And then you say, I asked later if the money came from the campaign. Well, you just said seconds before that you paid it was your thing it came from you so why would you have to ask if the money came from the campaign it doesn't make any sense and of course little miss ainsley airheart what about the
5: majority Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority
1: not a journalist so she didn't do any, do any follow-up she didn't ask the, the pertinent questions that would have pinned him down All they do is toss up a softball and let him hit it out of the park. And he doesn't even, he's not even able to do that.
3: Yeah. I mean, he's not hitting it out of the park. Yeah. He's, he's giving way too much detail and digging a hole for himself.
1: And here is where he gets to the famous flipping should be illegal. Now that I'm in the hot seat and the legal flames are licking and, and, and and flittering under my feet, now. Flipping should be illegal.
5: If you're saying the payments, if they're not illegal, then why would he even, why would he use that information for a plea deal?
4: Because he makes a better deal when he uses me, like everybody else. And one of the reasons I respect Paul Manafort so much is he went through that trial. You know, they make up stories. People make up stories. This whole thing about uh, flipping, they call it. I know all about flipping. For 30, 40 years, I've been watching flippers everything's wonderful and then they get ten years in jail and they they flip on whoever the next highest mm-hmm. one is or as high as you can go mm-hmm. it, it almost ought to be outlawed it's not fair because if somebody's gonna give spend five years like michael Cohn or ten years or fifteen years in jail because of a taxicab industry because he defrauded some bank uh, the last two were the tiny ones you know campaign violations are considered not a big deal mm-hmm. frankly uh, But if somebody defrauded a bank and he's going to get 10 years in jail or 20 years in jail. But if you can say something bad about Donald Trump and you'll go down to two years or three years, which is the deal he made. In all fairness to him, most people are going to do that. And I've seen it many times. I've had many friends involved in this stuff. It's called flipping, and it almost ought to be illegal. You get 10 years in jail, but if you say bad things about somebody, in other words, make up stories, if you don't know, make up stories. They just make up lies. Alan Dershowitz said, compose, right? They make up lies. I've seen it many times. They make up things, and now they go from 10 years to they're a national hero. They have a statue erected in their honor. It's not not a fair thing.
3: So... There were several notable things that Tony said there and um, Tony Soprano. <laughs>
1: I figured that's where you were going. And one of Woke them up this morning.
3: <laughs> One of them is that I've had many friends involved in this stuff. It's called flipping and it almost ought to be illegal. You have you've had many friends? Yeah. Involved in this flipping business? He runs
1: in a solid crowd.
3: Many friends, huh?
1: Unbelievable.
3: But even as he's talking about how long, he's 40 years he's watched flippers, again, uh, the people that he's associating with, and they flip on whoever the next highest one is or as high as you can go. Well, according to a 1981 FBI memo, Trump offered to fully cooperate with the FBI proposing that FBI agents work undercover in a casino that he was considering opening in Atlantic City. Wow. FBI agents even prepared an undercover proposal concerning the Trump casino that senior agents and Trump planned to discuss, according to the document. Douche chill. So it looks like somebody was going to be a...
1: Flippity dip, y'all.
3: Snitches (laughs) get stitches situation.
1: Snitches get stitches.
3: And then he talks about this this flipping. He frames it in a very interesting way. He's saying that someone agrees to say something bad about someone else yeah, right. and then they get a reduced sentence. And that's not really what Michael Cohen did, right? I mean, he's not just saying that Donald Trump is saying something bad about Donald Trump. No. He agreed to plead guilty to eight yeah. felony counts and testify under oath that Donald Trump directed and coordinated
1: this action. Which there's already evidence of. It's it's, it's not, not just making it up. Yeah, it's saying not, something bad on the stand. Right, it's
3: not just like criticizing him or, oh, here's a bad thing he did. I mean, he's, w- he's putting himself on the line here, pleading yeah. guilty, eight felony counts, and he's saying this... This is what what he did. He's complicit in a crime. The president of the United States. That is exactly
1: right. And providing material evidence. Mm -hmm. It's not just words, dickhole. There's evidence because you need evidence to convict. You don't you don't convict someone on the word of another person. That is not how it works.
3: But again, aren't these people supposed to love the police? And love the justice system. Law and
1: order president, yeah.
3: Yeah, and then he's talking like this about the FBI.
1: Well, listen, Rudy Giuliani, the greatest lawyer on the face of the planet, isn't with Donald Trump in his most dire hour. He's off golfing in goddamn Scotland right now. And a reporter caught up to him somewhere. He's in a golf cart with a Trump hat on and and a golf pullover. And they start asking him questions about the impeachment deal. And the last phrase that he speaks in this clip drew me back to the moments before the uh, the Republican National Convention when there was still talk about the Republican Party stealing the nomination from Donald Trump and the threats that were leveled, that people would lose it and they were going to take to the streets and there would be violence. Remember all that? Rudy Giuliani is verging
4: on that territory. Hardly. I think it's inevitable that he won't. Uh, President Trump is completely cleared. You have this Cohen guy. Uh, he Cohen doesn't know guy. anything about Russian collusion, doesn't know anything about obstruction. Yes He's a massive liar. Oh, please uh, If anything, it's turned very much in, in the president's favor. I think impeachment would be totally uh, horrible. I mean, there's no reason. He didn't collude with the Russians. He didn't obstruct justice. Everything Cohen says has been disproved. You'd only impeach him for political reasons, and the American people would revolt against that.
1: And the American people would revolt against that.
4: You'd only impeach him for political reasons, and the American people would revolt against that. Thank you.
1: Number one, impeachment is a political process. By nature, it is a political process. It's not a criminal process. It's not a prosecution. It is a political process to remove a political figure from office. So don't act like it's uh you know, it's just going to be political. Of course it's going to be political. Dick for brains. You fucking moron. This information this public disinformation campaign they're running is infuriating. So forgive me. If I'm a little over the top.
4: But to threaten that the people will revolt? You'd only impeach him for political reasons, and the American people would revolt against that.
1: This is very akin to when Joe Walsh was saying, if Hillary Clinton wins, I'm going to pick up my musket and take to the streets. There's going to be more of this talk.
3: Well, and it's clear that he doesn't believe
1: that this is turned
3: in Donald Trump's favor. He wouldn't. Absolutely he not. would not be saying something like that unless he was afraid, unless there was fear.
1: They would not be talking... Like you said earlier, they would not be talking about impeachment unless it was a very real, likely probability in the near future.
3: And things have been steadily getting worse. That's why you never see Sarah Huckabee Sanders anymore. I mean, what, like once a week or or, no, like twice a month or something. I mean, it's for like
1: 12 minutes, 11 minutes. (laughs)
3: Yeah. And then she just directs them to outside counsel. She never says anything. And it's similar to Kellyanne Conway appearing on Chris Cuomo today. All she would say is the president said the president said, yeah, we know. We know what he said. Why are you here?
2: Why yeah, are you exactly here? Right. We, we
3: know what he said. We can just go listen to the tape. Why are you here? You know? Anyway, I'm getting angry about that again.
1: <laughs> Heart racing. Yeah. Fight or flight.
3: So it, you can tell that they don't believe what they're saying, that they do not feel secure, and they know that things, this week especially, are not going well for them.
1: It's a wonderful thing. I mean, really, it i is. is. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm excited at what's happening because... We are getting closer to the removal of Donald Trump as president of the United States, and that's a good day. Let let's 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 cross that bridge when we come to it. That bridge being Mike Pence, but at least we have a conventional politician with conventionally bad ideas. With him, he's not an authoritarian authoritarian type. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this at length. About the pints, the differences. Mm-hmm. The audience knows where I stand. So anyway, th- that's where we are. Uh, it's moving and shaking, folks. Um, this weekend, I think that we'll come back from the weekend and have a whole new bevy of things to talk about. Uh, we we have some... Uh, well, we'll talk about that after this final segment.
3: Taking care of biz. Lift,
1: Lyft lift, Ly- like like Uber Lyft Lyft
3: like Lyft the popular ride share service alright you can download as an app on your phone so you can hitch a ride whenever you need one
1: <laughs> you should do commercials for I them. really
3: should <laughs> <laughs> that went really well whenever
1: you need <laughs> to get a ride yeah
3: ride okay
1: <laughs> because I can
3: mmm <laughs> <laughs> So, they're doing something really awesome on Election Day, Tuesday, November 6th. Please get out and vote. and if, Please! And if you do not have transportation to vote, Lyft is here to help. So, according to the website they put up, it is estimated that over 15 million people were registered but didn't vote in 2016 because of transportation issues. This is why... Lyft is committed to providing 50% off rides across the country and free rides to underserved communities that face significant obstacles to transportation.
1: Wow, that that is awesome. That mm-hmm. part is awesome.
3: Yeah. So across the country, they're saying they're going to give 50% off promo codes with their partners that encourage voter turnout. They're going to be working with Vote.org, Nonprofit Vote, TurboVote, turbo and more to distribute codes to those who need them.
1: I want to get in contact with them and see what we could do.
3: They're also going to have product integration to help passengers find their polling location. Awesome. And then for underserved communities, they're going to provide free of cost through nonpartisan nonprofit partners, including Voto Latino, local urban league affiliates, and the National Federation of the Blind.
1: That is serious. That's fucking fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm especially with the low voter turnout that the, the United States historically has had this will be great and serving those underserved communities is beautiful i don't i can't imagine that polling places are too far away so rides won't be that expensive even if they're 50% off but it is fantastic to see a company stepping up to the plate to try to encourage Democracy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, good times.
3: Yeah, they're even partnering with When We All Vote and National Voter Registration Day to ensure that passengers, drivers, and the community as a whole, they are that everyone is prepared for Election Day. They're going to be like sending push notifications to remind Lyft passengers about voter registration deadlines and giving drivers voter registration handouts and voter information. So yeah. they're really in it. With this.
1: You know, Facebook does uh, a little like gentle reminder stuff. I think they could be more aggressive too. (laughs) I I really do. I think that it should be, there should be some modicum of guilt. Dulled out for people who don't vote?
3: Oh, well, I think it should be as easy as possible, too. There may be yeah. some people who it's kind of stressful. They don't really know what to do, maybe because they have never registered or have never voted. And so they don't really know where to start. So I think it needs to be as easy as possible. And when you have organizations like this helping, it really makes a difference. Yeah, it does make a difference. Um, I, I think also it needs to like start in high school, too, like... As soon as you're 18, they register you and teach you how to do it. Yes. That needs to be something that happens too, but
1: Yeah. Well, it should be tied to like a driver's license with California. Voter mode or whatever they call it here. When you when you get a driver's license, you register to vote. Mm-hmm. It should be that easy. Yeah. All right. Well listen, everybody, we got a couple of bonus episodes coming up that we're gonna drop this next week. An author who wrote a book called The Color of Money, Black Banks and the 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 Racial Wealth Gap that I'm I'm super fascinated by. She she recently got kind of involved with this Quillette, uh essay or whatever about um, black the the racial wealth gap mm-hmm. that some kid wrote.
3: Coleman Hughes. I yeah, don't think yeah. he's a kid, but
1: oh, is he not? I, I thought he was an undergrad. I just assumed younger.
3: Well, he went to Juilliard and then he took a time off and okay, okay, then okay. he.
1: So, Mursa uh, Baridaran. Baradaran, how do you say your last name? We're going to have her on the show. It's going to be a great episode and I'm really looking forward to talking to her. So that's coming up. We're also we've got another bonus episode with Jim Robinault, uh, the the partner of John Dean of Watergate fame. He just wrote a book and we're going to talk to him about that and of course also about the Trump stuff, talk about his prediction. So it's going to be good. We've got some great episodes coming up. Again, if you'd like to support the show, we'd love to have you on board with the Patreon family. Go to dollamore.com Patreon. There you can help support the show episode by episode on a monthly basis, helping us move the conversation forward. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love your questions. We'd love your conversation. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I Doubt It, at dollamore.com we will see you next week we love you guys we appreciate you thank you for joining us for Brittany Page I'm Jesse Dollamore this has been I Doubt It I love explaining to the audience in great detail why we're not going to play a specific
3: (laughs) we probably should have just played it